0: praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning, good morning dear friends. As you can see I have (laughs) reverted to back outside. If you're joining on the radio you may hear some background noise. Um, I will give you a little audio description. I'm sitting in the garden the sun is pouring down. The sky is blue. There's a sound of a boat in the background and birds tweeting and it's just too nice to be indoors. So here we go. We're on um, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians today. So let's pray as we do and welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you to speak to us and shape us and challenge us and move in our hearts deeply. And let us fall in love with Jesus more and more today. Amen. Good morning, Kathy. Uh, So here we go. Paul's continuing on. He says, for I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. And they all drank the same spiritual drink. Good morning, Fran. Yeah, Captain Squawky will probably put in an appearance. You're right. So they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, that's quite a tough and challenging, interesting little intro. Paul's saying, listen, you know the story of the Exodus. You know about our forefathers. They went through the sea with Moses, and that was like a baptism. Moses brought them out of slavery in Egypt, and that's a powerful picture of Jesus bringing us out of slavery to sin and death and brought bringing us into freedom, into the promised land, the provision of God. And And whilst they were going through the sea it was like a baptism and Paul says this was like they were baptized into their deliverer Moses they went through that experience with Moses just as we when we come to Jesus are baptized into him good morning Kathy and Phil and Chris Um, they were baptized into Moses and so uh, they also he also says that like the cloud, they were baptized into the cloud, which is a picture of us being baptized in the Holy Spirit and coming and being surrounded and infilled by God's incredible, powerful presence, and and they they literally saw the visible expression of the glory of God in the cloud by. In daytime, it was like a big cloud over them. And at nighttime, it was like a pillar of fire. And they saw that day after day after day. And Paul's saying they they ate spiritual food. They drank spiritual drink. They drank from this rock, which Paul says followed them through the wilderness. I mean, that's bizarre. The, the rock that Moses hit the first time with his stick and he was supposed to speak to it the second time he hit it again didn't he and god was angry with moses for hitting the rock twice because he was only supposed to hit it once and you always think what was that all about and it's because the rock wasn't just a rock the rock was the person of the messiah the christed one jesus um and so just as jesus was kind of struck by god once and from jesus this is so loaded with metaphor you can i haven't really got time to unpack it but you can read my book it's in there <laughs> little plug shameless plug um the uh jesus had to be struck once and as by god and and out of him then flowed his life blood which is what washes our sins away and cleans us up and makes us holy and they when moses hit the rock twice god said you've done something bad moses you disobeyed me and he caused jesus to be it was like he was smiting jesus twice anyway we could go into that in a lot more detail i'm gonna leave it as a sketch and hopefully you will be um interested in pursuing that a bit more But what's the important, the the point Paul is making here is they had all these incredible experiences. They were like the water coming from the rock and the manna they picked up from the ground was almost like Holy Communion. If you imagine the water coming from the rock being a picture of the blood of Jesus and the manna on the ground being like the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. When they picked it up and they ate this spiritual food and drank this spiritual drink, it was like a foreshadowing of holy communion or the eucharist whichever language you like to prefer good morning sarah and sally and so he says nevertheless in spite of all these incredible things that they experienced they managed to somehow miss the point completely and many of them died in the wilderness and and not just through old age as a fly wants to get inside my glasses um not just through old age, but sometimes through a direct intervention of the judgment of God, because their, their behavior had provoked God to such an extent. And so verse 6 says, Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Now the word there, desire, is a really important word that's going to keep coming up, and it's epithumio and it's to crave or to lust after to set your heart on something strongly and it's the same word that appears in the commandment in the 10 commandments where it said you shall not covet commandment number 10 you shall not covet your neighbor's ox or his ass or anything else his wife anything else that's your neighbor and what it really is saying is i am dissatisfied with what god has given me i need that i am beginning to develop a lust and a craving for it in our hearts which becomes a powerful desire now anyone who's experienced lust in their lives will realize that actually lust just begins in in and literally can develop into something very strong in just a few seconds but it's like we have to pull the very fact that that commandment is in there you shall not covet it means that it is possible to live a life that is not covetousness not covetous and where and anyway Paul's warning us against that here and he said now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire or lust after evil as they did do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play now the picture there is just of the time of the golden calf when Moses was up the mountain a long time and uh, he didn't come down and indeed. He- Israelites got frustrated and they said we want a God that you can see and a God that lets us have fun and do the kind of stuff that other people get to do we don't like this miserable God who just who hides himself and then tells us not to do certain things and so they got they they made this golden calf they got Aaron to construct it to cast it in the fire with using gold they brought back from slavery And they began to worship this thing, but when it says they got up to play, the implication is that their play was um, a a euphemism for an orgy, a sexual orgy, where they began to do all kinds of things that God had not permitted them to do. And so he said that, um, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink. They indulged their senses and then they rose up to play and indulge our senses on a whole other level. Verse 8, it says, We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Now, if you read back through, you'll discover that it was 3,000, not 23, but that, that overall, the about people that talk, that died as a result of God's judgment that Paul's talking about in, the, in this little account, he summarizes it as 23,000. So, don't get lost in the arithmetic. And he says, We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, this is interesting because sexual immorality and grumbling don't, or covetousness and grumbling, don't seem to be necessarily very connected but they absolutely are because when we lust for something that isn't it's like we desire strongly something we set our heart on something that isn't ours that we god has not given to us and grumbling is where we're dissatisfied with what god has given us and we complain against him and allow bitterness to grow up in our hearts against him and Paul's saying, listen, these things, both of these things are from the same root and they're really bad. And and actually, it's putting Christ to the test. It's somehow an offence to Jesus himself. He says, we must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 11, now these things happened to them as our as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And Paul's saying here, listen, these things that were going on then, they were obviously, that was a real situation, but it was written down for the purpose of our instruction and, and we have it now in our holy canon of scripture don't we that that uh, these things took place but paul says let's be instructed by them let's learn from them and not make the same mistakes as these people did and and he says don't be complacent this is a really important word there it says verse 12 therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall and then he goes on to say no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man god is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it and so so I think sometimes when we face temptation, we think, oh, this is just too much for me. I can't bear it. You know, nobody's ever been tempted like me before. No one's had this same pressure to go off track. This desire that's in me is such a strong desire. Surely this is, you know, I'm being singled out for a particularly strong temptation. Therefore, I'm going to just buckle and give into it. And Paul's saying, no, the temptation you're having is actually just common to human beings. It's just how it is. And actually, of course, we know that as well that Jesus, it says, was tempted in all ways like we are. So every temptation that comes to us, he already, he's experienced that as well. So he, as a man, knows what those temptations feel like, which is pretty incredible, isn't it? So Jesus himself, so he says, don't be complacent, but also look for the way of escape that God's given you in that time of temptation. Take evasive action. When we've been doing Fresh Start, it's really interesting because we're talking to people whose lives are controlled by some kind of life-controlling behavior, be it an addiction to alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever. And the, the point of it is to one of the things that we learn on the course is to, um, to change our patterns so that we don't set ourselves up for temptation. And sometimes there are particular situations that leave us very vulnerable. Let's avoid them as much as we can, let's and let's change the kind of patterns um, of our life so the classic story is the person who goes home from and there's the guy on the corner selling drugs and so they learn that actually if I go home a different way then I don't pass that dealer so I can avoid that temptation so that I don't have to go back into my old patterns and just changing things so like the alcoholic who gets up in the morning first thought in their head is to go and go down to the off license and buy some alcohol get up, make a cup of tea, have some breakfast. That's the one thing that the heavy drinkers don't want to do is have breakfast, so have some breakfast, drink something of, you know, like some tea or coffee or something and change the pattern and break that cycle of addiction. And so Paul's saying here that God will give you a way out and when you're in that moment of temptation so that you can endure it, so you don't have to crumple and and fall into it and be feel like a dreadful failure. Um, verse fourteen, he says, "Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry." I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the blood of in the body of Christ? And now Paul's picking up on this theme of the bread and the water that they ate and drank in the wilderness and he's saying for you and me when we eat and drink the bread and the wine that we bless that is a cup of blessing it's a cup of good news it's a cup of a good word a blessing means a good word spoken over you it's a cup it's a is that this is actually we're participating in something incredible we're somehow participating in the body and blood of Jesus and this is what we would call mystical it's a mystery we don't understand how it can be but the word there for participate is koinonia which is the word we use for fellowship but it also means having things in common becoming a partner and so somehow when we eat and drink the bread and wine we're becoming a partner with the body and blood of Jesus but also with each other and with also with believers around the world and it's just an incredible um, thing that's going on an incredible mystical coming together of you and me with the body and blood of Jesus with Jesus himself and with his family around the world just totally incredible And then he says, verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. So the symbolism is one loaf, one body, and we're all participating. We're all enjoying and sharing this one loaf together. And we're kind of indicating that we're part of one body family but one body of Jesus we are his body incredibly so verse 18 consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar and he's saying when when these guys eat when when they brought their sacrifices to God they were participating in that whole event and having fellowship together with god verse 19 what do i imply then that food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything no i imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to god i do not want you to be participants with demons you cannot drink the cup of the lord and the cup of demons you cannot partake of the table of the lord and the table of demons shall we provoke the lord to jealousy are we stronger than he? And Paul now is going back to this whole theme about eating food that's been sacrificed to idols. And he says, we need to understand that when people engage in idol worship, they're having... eat the meal that's prepared for the idol and all this kind of thing that in the same way that we have fellowship with jesus and are one with him they're having fellowship with demons and are making themselves one with the demons so this is idolatry is a very horrible sneaky thing and the images that come along with that we don't want them in our homes we don't want to in any way buy into that kind of relationship with demonic powers and Paul says we're not talking we're not saying that idols are anything but there is a demonic power and presence behind the whole practice of idolatry that draws us in and makes us kind of connected somehow with those demonic beings we need to leave all that alone so verse 23 he says are not all things are lawful but Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Now, that's that same word we had before. Um, It's the one of building the house. He says, yeah, sure, it might be okay for you to eat this food, but does it build up the house? And we've had Paul talk in this argument before. And then he says, verse 24, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. So let's think in terms of community. Let's think of the body of Christ. Let's think of the community of believers and how we build that whole spiritual house up, that temple that God lives in by his spirit. Um, So eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So go ahead and buy it. Verse 26, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, so say you get invited to an unbeliever's house, eat what is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So rather than saying, oh, before we eat, can I just check? Is this food sacrificed to idols? No, wrong question. Just enjoy it. Just eat it with a clear conscience. But... If someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who's informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? because of that for which I give thanks. So what he's saying is, if they can be bothered, if they're concerned for you enough to inform you that the food has already been sacrificed to idols, we'll say, well, no thanks. That's really kind of you, but no thanks. I'll just take a cup of tea, and (laughs) I'll make some other kind of, you know, settle for a vegetarian option or something. Um, But if they don't bother to tell you, just enjoy and trust god is looking after you and let's not get too finicky about it or well, we're not sure what the word there is anyway he says if i partake with thankfulness why am i denounced because of that for which i give thanks so basically saying my my thanksgiving to god is acknowledging him as the source of it i'm having fellowship with him not with the idols blah 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 verse 31 so then whether you so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God just as I try to please everyone in everything I do not seeking my own advantage but that of many that they may be saved be imitators of me as I am of Christ and we said didn't we that this is the whole point of this letter Paul's trying to say look I want you to become a radical disciple like me I want you to be someone who lays down their life for the body of Christ and for the salvation of the world I want you to when you're in someone's home to conduct yourself in such a way that you win them for Jesus that you don't drive them away by your religious pomposity But at the same time, guard your heart and guard your conscience and help to guard that person's conscience. If they've felt it necessary to tell you that this food has had another purpose, then politely decline it. God bless you, everyone. Have an amazing day. My computer's just cut out, which means the radio has stopped. Anyway, you guys have an amazing day and God bless you. May the favour of his hand be on you. In Jesus' name. Amen.